0: Welcome to Breaking the Bias. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders from across our industry, shining a light and sharing stories of workplace empowerment. Welcome to this episode of Breaking the Bias. Today, we're joined by Amy Emma, Head of Business Transformation for Marketing at OpenText. Amy, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on this podcast. I, I don't think we've ever had a, a Navy veteran on either this or our account-based marketing podcast, but my daughter is, is at a Naval College, so I've got huge admiration for, for anyone associated to the Navy. Can, can you tell me a bit bit about your, your Navy experience. Sure. Well, one, glad to be here. Thanks so much for
1: having me on and uh, glad to be blazing a trail for veterans on your podcast. <laughs> uh, so so the, the Navy was interesting for me. I joined the Navy after I graduated from college. I had a degree in journalism and I was at kind of a crossroads personally and couldn't really decide what to, you know, I think many of us out of college find that, you know, we're not working in the field that we, just spent four years studying or something like that and I decided that joining the military would be an interesting way to to find out about some some different careers because you know the military has um, a variety of of different jobs and and things like that and it was really you know kind of an unexpected turn of events in my life but I wouldn't trade it for anything so I was a, a flight engineer on p3s in a desert storm Um, And I was stationed out of uh, Florida, but I was deployed most of the time that I was in. So I got to see a lot of interesting places and meet so many people and really find out like like how it is, because it was just post tailhook when I was in. And so uh, we were the military was very sensitive about zero tolerance when it comes to sexual harassment and things like that. So it was an interesting time to be in the Navy. And uh, and I'm really, really quite glad that I did it.
0: Yeah. I'd be fascinated to hear, Amy, how how has been part of the military shaped your thinking as you, you think about diversity and inclusion? How has it shaped your, just the the way you're interacting with people, the way you're building teams? And we'll get into it in a bit more detail on, on some of the transformations that you've led. has it shaped your thinking?
1: I think that, you know, it's a great question. I think the military for so many of us really shapes, um, it touches almost everything that you do afterwards, right? It gives you, you know, strong leadership skills, a lot of, of sense of, of purpose in uh, like details and things like that. So it's really, you know, it's it's a, it's a great, it translates very well into corporate America. You can take those skills and, and be a great manager, a great mentor. Um, I think actually in some ways, diversity and inclusion in a place like the military is easier, right? Because in the military, you don't say please or thank you. You just, everybody does their job and you know you you because you're in the united states military you can say this is not okay this is okay in corporate america it's a little bit fuzzier right i mean anywhere besides the military it's it's fuzzier for you know what are what are the boundaries is there a spectrum is this acceptable or is it not and, you know, corporate uh, civilian, the civilian world at large, right, has yeah. a tougher time navigating things like that. So, so because there are, things are so black and white, right, from like a rules perspective, I feel like in some, you know, just in some lights, it's, it's actually easier to, to get there in the Navy or in any branch of the military.
0: Yeah, no, interesting perspective. I, I've heard a lot about leadership skills and, and you know helping you to interact with people and building out teams, mentoring. But that that point you've made about the structure and the black and whiteness of it, you, often organisations that are probably less successful in in diversity and inclusion and and really building out their their teams. I feel like there's so much that's unsaid or, or undocumented or um, that they don't have uniform in the same way that you'd have in a in a military setting, so to speak. And, and what makes you passionate, Amy, about gender, diversity and inclusion? What got you started?
1: Certainly not just gender, right? All pathways of ED&I, right? Diversity is so important across the board, right? And when we talk about diversity and inclusion being important, it's important to have you know, a variety of ideas in one room, right? If we all hired people who looked just like us, we wouldn't have very much, like we'd go forward thinking we were doing great, but 10 Amy's in a room are only going to do what Amy wants to do, right? And so, you know, having the diversity of thought in a boardroom, in a conference room, in a project is really quite critical to moving things forward and really being a change maker when when you're coming up with ideas, whether it's, you know, product or marketing or, um whatever that may be diversity of thought is really important and we can't get to diversity of thought unless we have actual you know diversity and inclusion and we have representation and representation matters because if you don't you know not everybody can just go somewhere where they are they don't feel that they have any sort of kinship any sort of allyship or any sort of shared experience in a room and so the closer we get to true diversity, then the closer we'll get to true representation so that people who, uh, you know, a young woman of color who is going to school and thinking, you know, I have to go on this pathway because this is all I know. I certainly couldn't go work at this big tech company because I only see people who don't look like me. And so the more we get to see people who look like all of us, right? People who look like you know any number of diverse groups, then then the more people will understand that that it is something that it is a possibility, even something that they wouldn't have considered before. So I think I think representation I think is is really key for me.
0: Yeah, um, I mean we see it time and time again, don't we? More more diverse people, that the more interesting the the decisions they're reaching, the way they're thinking and collaborating. Was there something in your career or or in your earlier life that triggered you to to really observe that? Where did the fire come from when, when you think about your, your passion for d
1: You know, I, I think it's really in my DNA, right? I, I, I definitely, I don't remember any sort of major event. I just remember that I was raised in a household that put a really high value on volunteerism and in giving back of your your time and your talent in your community and my parents have really lived by that example and i think it just very much came naturally to me and you know being an ally and an advocate for an underrepresented or marginalized group has come naturally to me since i was on a playground in elementary school right so i think it's you know i think it's something that is in my nature to be passionate about doing something and not just standing by and observing something. But I also think that that was was really, you know, nourished and encouraged in the house that I grew up in.
0: Amy, I'd love to talk a little bit about your career and just unpack um, some of the work that you're doing. So you're, you're head of business transformation for marketing, but you're also An Inspire ambassador for for Micro Focus, who are now part of Open Text. What's an Inspire ambassador? What are you doing? Well, so it's an interesting question, right? Because
1: Microfocus was just recently acquired by OpenText, so we are now OpenText, and what we're doing right now is really bringing all of our volunteerism and um, employee network and ED&I programs together under one umbrella, which is amazingly powerful, right? That's you know as opposed to you know previously 12 to 13 thousand employees, now we have 25 thousand employees as a pool of people to pick from, and OpenText has a very similar program to the Inspire program, and so we're bringing those tenants together. But really, what it's about is um, not just, you know, we all, uh, m- most of us probably have employee networks or employee resource groups which provide, you know, an opportunity for volunteerism within the organization, an opportunity for community. But what we do as Inspire Ambassadors and in our EDI program is really try to organize locally. Um, so, you know, just like employee networks are affinity groups, right? Um, a local Inspire Ambassador and moving forward in OpenTech's EDI um, organization is really somebody who's going to coordinate volunteer efforts and fundraising efforts and things that people can do to find community within their local area, right? Because we're also distributed, right, across the globe and working remotely, you know, if we have 100 people assigned to an office in, say, Alpharetta, Georgia, there's probably 200, 300 people who actually live in Georgia, right? So it's really about building a sense of community for people who are, um, you know, in in a distributed nature, working from home, maybe wouldn't get that opportunity to engage with people. And it also gives us as a company, you know, an opportunity to really publicly support, you know, sustainability and diversity programs um, in our communities.
0: Yeah, sounds really potent. Um, I think that's, that sense of community, we've all got a visceral uh, need to be part of a community. What well, What's the difference been, you know, having been an Inspire ambassador before that programme started? What's the, the, the main difference that you, you've seen it make? Is it about connecting people? Is it about bringing more diversity to the table? Is it about awareness? What what impact have you seen?
1: I think it's, I mean, a lot of it is building community and giving people a pathway to volunteer their time, educate themselves, learn a new skill, or, you know, it, take time out of what seems like a super busy day. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's software, right? So let's yeah. go maybe spend a couple of hours making an, a, a real difference in, in the world. And I think it's really... What I've seen in in a corporate context is that it gives people a real chance to you know, to do something that does come naturally to, to many of us, right, which mm-hmm. is giving of our time. But if there's, if nobody's organizing it, you know, you probably, there's a lot of people who maybe wouldn't take that next step and actually put that desire into action. And so what we're affording people is that avenue for action, right? I've organized it, like all you have to do is like put your name on a list and show up, right? And, and that's, and showing up is, you know, is so much of volunteering and, and, and doing things, right? So we work with all kinds of different groups um, in and around the Atlanta area. And it's just been, it's been a really great experience to see people come together from different departments, right? You know, you've got people from all over the place coming together because they're they're co-located, right? So
0: um, And your day job, Amy, you're, you're head of business transformation for, for marketing. What, what does that mean? And, and what does your role look like? So, um,
1: my role looks pretty different every day, but what I primarily, you know, primarily what I have been doing um, historically at Microfocus and now what I am doing at Open Text is really the 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 big cross-functional transformational projects that move an organization forward. So, you know, you've got a marketing organization, for example, well, you've got field marketing and campaigns and all these different people. If something requires wholesale change, right, across all of those departments, across an entire leadership team, that's where I come in. Also, cross-functionally, where marketing needs to come to the the, the table as a key stakeholder, right? Um, informed part of the business or providing business requirements for a technical implementation, things like that, I I played that role as well as to bringing, you know, bringing marketing into the rest of the company and making sure that marketing is having a seat at the table and having a voice in, in decision making and making sure that we're engaged with with all of the other teams. So it's really those big cross functional cross organizational change management. Kind of programs that that I um, get involved in, and really try to try to move the needle on all the you know herding of the cats, if you will.
0: <laughs> yes, I got it. I mean, it feels like all businesses are amidst some kind of transformation, and this is a, a bit of a leading question. Uh, how can uh, having a more diverse team help organizations transform? You've had lots of experience in different programs of shapes and sizes. What what's a diverse team really delivered uh, when it comes to these transformations?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, back to my earlier point about the, the diversity of thought, right? So the more diverse your workforce is and the more diverse your leadership teams are, right? You get different kinds of thinking, right? And like, especially like when you take you take an acquisition of this size, right? It's been huge, but it's also transformational for so many people because You get exposed to, just like you would when you get a new job, you're being exposed to new technologies, new ideas, new standard processes, new business practices, and new brains, right? A whole new group of people, right? If I work in creative services over here and now I'm joining creative services over here, it's still creative services, but i'm i'm doing it with a whole new group of people who have been you know probably working and chugging along as a team for quite some time together and now i come in so i add diversity of thought to that group hopefully and i'm getting a lot of new information and so it's really you know making sure that we can that we can think about things in the way that makes the most sense to move forward as opposed to getting stuck in Because we're emotionally tied to an older way of doing things, right? I came, you know, and have you see it in acquisitions all the time, right? You've got this this legacy company, these legacy companies, they all had a tech stack. They all had their way of doing things. And one way isn't necessarily better or wrong, but you have to pick one right? And so picking one is easier if you can break that emotional attachment to this is the way we used to do things. And this is the way we used to do things. And that's, that I think is really um, one of the most exciting things about change is when people can, can look at it for what it is and say, maybe parts of this and maybe parts of this, but at the end of the day, we're going to have a path forward and we're all going to agree to it. Right. And so, so I think that's, that, that lends a lot to, to the, the energy in the room and the energy and um, efficacy of those kinds of decisions.
0: I've been um, fortunate enough, Amy, to be part of a few business transformations, both for our clients I- in their go-to-market or, or strategic accounts, and also for, for the businesses that I've been involved in. But often I found that I'm the only female in the room or I, you know, I'm, there's, there's one profile of individual that's sort of replicated. What, what are some of the first-hand pitfalls that you've experienced in those settings? I'm sure mm-hmm. you've been in, in similar scenarios.
1: Well, absolutely. Right. And I think that um, we all go through it, uh, women and and women of color and people of color, especially. Right. I think it's our, our experiences are, are potentially more vocalized um, because there are definitely more uh, marginalized groups than just that. But I think I think that's an easy way to talk about it. Right. Because we can. We can we can we can measure that to a certain extent because, you know, gender and race or ethnicity are HR appropriate questions. Right. So it's it's a thing that we can that we can actually track and see difference making in corporate America. Right. So there I don't think that you walk into a room full of women who work in technology and find a single one who hasn't been in a room as the only female and been assumed that she was going to arrange lunch been assumed that she was going to take notes, been assumed that she was going to do all of the admin work, right? Put it on everybody's calendars and and do things like that. And I think that one of the pitfalls probably early in our careers is not recognizing that for the unconscious bias that it is. Like, it's not malicious. It's, it is it is truly, in most cases, unconscious bias, right? But if if we don't recognize unconscious bias when it's happening and stand up and be like, and and, and make sure that we're doing it you know in a constructive way but but calling it out and then making a difference right and 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 I think it takes a while to get there emotionally mentally you know from a confidence perspective but it's it's important to not allow yourself to be a victim of unconscious bias because that's you know Recognizing it that it's unconscious and people nobody meant to to be mean or or for lack of a better term right nobody it's not intentional and so you know you're doing everyone a favor yourself and the people around you by identifying it and giving it a name and and making sure that it's it's unacceptable for that to happen
0: that's clearly some really great advice for everybody that's involved in in say a business transformation would you if you're part of a minority group and it sounds like you've had some experiences there in being so and you're part of a, a business transformation how how have you really affected change how have you really made a difference is you know there's some tactics or strategies you've used to get your points of view across to take the lead on certain initiatives you know what what's that felt like and and what advice can can we take away
1: yeah i th- i think it's really not being afraid right and and not being afraid of or lacking confidence in in your subject matter expertise, right? And in your opinions and in your thoughts. And so many of us in life, women and everyone else in the world, right? Uh, we, I think many of us suffer from imposter syndrome at one point or another, right? Not all the time, not always. But it it is a thing and we we know that it happens and being more confident in stating your position and sticking to it and but also being able to compromise. I mean, compromise is important, but voicing it and, and being confident in that, which, you know, again, when you're the only female in the room, when you're the only person of color in the room, when you're the only anything in the room, it is sometimes hard to speak out. And say something potentially different. And I do think it takes a while to get there. These aren't easy skills, you know. And 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 I, you know, I certainly, with many others, have made missteps in my career. And 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 you know, in hindsight, would have maybe had a conversation differently or things like that. But it's important to learn from those experiences and make sure that that you know, self advocation is the one thing that you can count on. Right? You can't assume that anyone else is going to advocate for you. So advocating for yourself and knowing, giving yourself permission to advocate for yourself is, I think, really, really critical in moving forward with confidence in your voice.
0: Any other advice, pointers for, for people who find themselves in a minority group and perhaps they're part of a big change program or part of a business transformation?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, another part of it is back channeling, for lack of a better term, right? It's, it's also... so. If you've ever been in a change management prog- program or uh, process where you are changing like the vocabulary of something, yeah. right? So if we talk about marketing, for example, right, the demand waterfall, well, as many companies as there are probably have different terminology for their waterfall, right? So, but if you're doing a transformational project and say, we're going to change the way we track the waterfall, we're going to do this whole thing based on, you know, this consultant's new definition of waterfall stages, etc. cetera. Well, one of the most, it might seem minor, but one of the most important things is to get everybody on the same page with vocabulary, right? And I promise I'll get to my point. It's kind of a roundabout way, but it's, if if we keep using the vocabulary, if you keep reiterating the correct vocabulary, right? And again, it might be like a minor thing, but change it in every presentation, make sure that you're using the word. And Mm -hmm. by doing so, like you're leading by example. And I think that that's, you know, also, as a part of a team, whether you're leading the team, part of the team, both, right, making strategic decisions, etc. cetera, if you are 100% adoptive of the mm-hmm. change, right, you can embody the change that you're trying to affect, it gets people more used to it, right? So making right. sure that you're, that you're saying the right things and, and advocating for the change that you're trying to make. On a Mm -hmm. daily basis, as opposed to just like potentially in in a position of conflict where, you know, somebody isn't on board with the path forward or something like that, like really, you know, sort of walking the talk, I think is is critical to, you know, a less controversial or less less confrontational way to, you know, get your point across and, and, and move the change needle forward as well.
0: Amy, that's great advice for anyone that's involved in, in a form of business change. I know um, mergers, acquisitions, divestments, they're happening all, all over the place. What, what's your personal experience been over the course of your career? Have M&A transactions, have they ended up reshaping your career? Have they been great because you've now got a bigger, broader, diverse team? Have they created any um, nuances along the way that, that you can share?
1: Yeah, I think major acquisitions, especially, right, are a great opportunity for growth, for personal growth in anyone's career, um, for professional growth, um, for learning new skills and getting new exposure. So, you know, the reality of the situation is during acquisitions, there is always going to be cost reduction, right? Not everyone is going to stay. You don't need two CEOs, you don't need two CMOs, right? And and so on and so forth. So there is a natural, natural attrition. Of people who are not going to come through an acquisition but the the employees who do like can take you can take advantage of this whole new there's going to be a new organization again creative services to creative services is one thing but if creative services sat in this part of the organization in your former company and in this new company they're working in a more collaborative team with a you know different parts of the marketing organization that's a new opportunity right so seeing an acquisition situation, especially if you are the acquired company, right? Seeing it as an opportunity for growth. And not necessarily a bad thing, right? And uh, and really embracing a new culture, giving that new company a chance, because you'd be in the same situation if you went to find find a new job anyway, <laughs> right? So you're all in front of it's, it's all newness, right? It's yeah. just sometimes more difficult, I think, because like you know earlier I said breaking people's emotional attachment to processes when things are changing, and as opposed to me coming in looking at you know a, a, an integration you know, activity or project and saying, oh, well, this is obviously the best way because I'm not tied to either one. If you're very much tied to the process that's being gotten rid of, right, it that is sometimes harder for people emotionally, right? Because we've got these attachments and it's the way you've been doing it for a long time. So it's really being open to the change and being open to really just embracing a new corporate culture that can that can open up, you know, many doorways, right? I've seen people go from Working in marketing to working in HR, I've seen people go from working in sales to working in marketing. You know, there's there's all kind there's there's opportunity there if you can keep your eyes open to it and and embrace it when it presents itself.
0: Yeah, sounds sounds like uh, keeping that growth mindset, open mindedness, um, spotting those opportunities. I guess what I was thinking as you were talking, Amy, was that acquisitions often happen to you versus you going out and seeking a new role. And what does it do if perhaps you're not a big advocate for yourself? Perhaps you haven't um, built that network. You don't have mentorship. You haven't got a sponsor inside the business and it it creates more disruption or or, um, maybe some of your key stakeholders end up leaving. How can you as a a minority group, how can you still still get ahead and, and develop your own career um, and make sure you're you're not suffering and becoming part of a kind of broken rung.
1: Yeah, I mean it it is a it is a great way to talk about it, right? Acquisitions do happen to you, and if you're proactively going out there and seeking a new job or a new career, new or same career, different company, that's you know a choice that you're making in your action. So there there is absolutely a different. I'll I'll grant you that, but I think you know in any new scenario, right? It is not only self advocation but also allyship and being an accomplice right making sure because you know at this point in my career i'm not the only woman in the room anymore right usually not you know things things that you know the landscape that i saw when i was in my 30s is definitely different than the landscape that i see now in my 50s and it's encouraging right there's been rapid change over the past 10 years and but it's also i do consider it you know one of my responsibilities is to see opportunities for other marginalized groups to get promoted to get engaged in a project to get greater visibility right and that's where you know strategic volunteering within your company really can t- can help you with that visibility and help you with mentorship and sponsorship and things like that but also being able to to see an opportunity within your own team you know or you know like like to identify something that you're willing to take on and sometimes it's a little extra work at the beginning but it's really creating Value for yourself—it's creating and building that personal equity that you have within a company, and making sure that 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 you're adding the value that you know that you can. And you know, it's again self-advocation plus you know people who are motivated by by breaking down barriers and and seeing you know diversity within a conference room, within a team, within a boardroom, within a project, right? And so you know, I think all of us together. Right. You know, together, we're stronger. Together, we're better. Uh, We all you know, all of us together, we you know, we all make a difference in different ways. And that's that's really how we move it forward.
0: Yeah, no, I love that, Amy. It's um, what's really coming through is your passion to collaborate with others and, and what, what you're also getting out of volunteering. I know employee engagement is, is not a side job for you. You're very passionate about engaging your teams, other teams. You know, t- tell me a bit about that. And how do you think about allyship in, in that setting?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, it it goes back to also another earlier part of our conversation about, you know, giving people a pathway to get involved, right, and give up their time. That's engagement, right? If you've got people, if you have people who are engaging in volunteering activities, if you have people who are engaging in fundraising activities or, you know, awareness, diversity awareness seminars, you know, a watch party for, you know, a a particularly groundbreaking movie, anything like that, if people are engaging in that, then they're also engaged at work. Engaged employees is the number one way. I mean, your most expensive resource is your workforce. And, you know, making an engaged employee is far less likely to leave. An engaged employee is far more likely to to work harder. An engaged employee is far more likely to bring in their friends to recommend your company right as a good place to work. And those are all great things, right? And, um, you know, if you don't have, if you lack employee engagement and, you know, so much remote work and, 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 you know, the exponential increase in people who are, are going to stay virtual for, you know, the foreseeable future. Um, it really does a number on employee engagement, right? If everybody's sitting in their houses and they haven't seen each other for two and a half, three years. And so that kind of employee engagement can really keep your top talent, right? Cause top talent, like no matter how much you pay people, if they don't feel a sense of belonging or ownership or engagement at their job, they will eventually go somewhere else, you know? Even if it's not like a negative, it's just the lack of the positive.
0: And what about when you're thinking about hiring, training? I know you guide and coach a lot of teams. You know, have you bought in certain types of talent as your Hiring in teams, do you always seek out to hire a mix of uh, of different types of individuals? You know, how how do you think about team building?
1: Well, I think targeted hiring is not so much as targeted uh, resource pooling, right? So it's you know I can't tell you who the best person is going to be when I have ten people interviewing for a job. But I can tell you that we're not going to have diversity in our workforce if there's not diversity in the hiring room, right? And so, and that's where I get passionate about organizations like Women in Technology and other groups like that who really focus on STEM or STEAM for for young women, right? Is because we can have our targets for diversity as corporate America. We can have our best practices as what we're looking for from our talent acquisition teams. But if the people aren't there, as a pool to to apply to be qualified then then we're never going to get to the actual goal right it is at its root a top of the funnel problem right so if we had more diversity in the top of the funnel then we would naturally have more diversity in our organizations right and so I, for me i think you know there's so many ways that you can encourage diversity in hiring and And different people seeking out different roles. But but I think most passionately, I would say that the, the biggest change that we can make is encouraging and finding a pathway for young women and young women of color to get the kinds of education and the kinds of exposure to careers in technology and software and this industry that that they would not have normally thought of, right? And that's where we're going to get more and more and more people because they told two friends and then they told two friends and so on. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. yeah. And you end up with um, a, a much more diverse team as a result. You've touched on this already, Amy, about uh, you know, corporate America that you know, that has moved on somewhat since, since you started out in your career. And, and it's great to see the progress that that we've made over the last decade plus what's um your personal first-hand experience been company to company you know as has there been a big uh, difference from one firm to the next or have you found that it, it's it's all more or less the same and then they're, they're moving at the same pace as as they think about their dni strategies
1: well, certainly some companies are more mature on their AD and I path than others. Um, I think OpenText is very mature on their path, and I'm finding that a very encouraging thing about a new company. But I think I don't think it's fair to compare experiences at different companies, because they all happened at different times, right? There are so many people in my earlier career who were trying to do the right thing, but maybe we didn't have the framework that we have today or the vocabulary that we have today around allyship and advocacy and diversity hiring and things of that nature, right? I think, you know, I had several bosses earlier in my career who were super excited to have a female veteran on their team. Right. And they got a gold star from HR because it checked a box, but but it didn't happen on purpose. You know what I mean? And so so I think now that we have come to this this place now and over the past 10 years of really having strong diversity programs and and it being, you know, a common vernacular. In having, you know, bias training, in having employee networks, and that kind of advocacy and an affinity within a company that's not related to a person's job. All of those things are providing a greater framework and a greater support system for the diversity that we're trying to achieve. And so I would say that every company has been better than the last company, but also every company has been in a more mature place because we as a society are in a more mature place in, in allowing a framework for this kinds of stuff that we know is the right thing to do.
0: Great to hear, really encouraging. And if we sort of fast forward the the next couple of years, you know, where where do you think um, we'll be when it comes to things like d um, and and just that whole idea of volunteering and the collaboration that you're driving ac- across the teams?
1: Well, you know how, like when you're watching a movie and you know that they're trying to portray that it's the future, if there's a woman of color, that's the (laughs) president of the United States, you're like, oh, this must be the future. Yes. Um, So, so I would, I would say like, it would be, it'll be great to see more representation. And I think that when we're in a period of great change, right, things tend to go exponentially faster as you move forward. So if we've made X amount of progress in 10 years and a fraction of X amount of progress in the last 50 years, right? So Mm -hmm. 50 years and then 10 or 20 years. And then now I think we're making change at such a rapid pace that it's even sometimes hard to keep up with. So I am very hopeful for um, our global community on its path to diversity. Not every company is going to meet 100 percent of their goals. But it's great that we're all trying, right, that ESG is common in, you know, in corporate vernacular, and that we're all speaking, or for the most part, right, the majority of us are speaking the same language on the fact that a company should also have a purpose, right, and that and it should be purposeful in its actions within the community and, and, you know, and, and hold itself accountable. And that's, you know, that's quite a shift from, the bottom line is the thing that's most important or the only thing that's important and now we now we know and it's and it's and it's a very common opinion and a way of of doing business that we're that it's more than just that right that it, it is the bottom line but our stakeholders are more than just the checkbook of our shareholders that it's you know it's our reputation and it's the happiness of our our the satisfaction of our employees you know and it's things like that that really that these kinds of conversations move forward you know making a diversity target a good thing right making a a zero carbon footprint commitment a good thing right so so i i you know i feel like the next couple of years are going to show as much if not more change as the past 10 to 15 years that i've seen
0: fabulous well that's a great note to end this um podcast on amy i'm really looking forward to the to the future where esg is Uh, very much embedded and this acceleration of equal opportunity and and diversity amongst uh, teams. Amy, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your perspective. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thank you so much, Alicia. It was a pleasure. Great to have you on with us. Thanks, Amy. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum ITSMA, a leading B2B growth consultancy and advisory firm. We're fortunate to have incredibly diverse talent, both in our business and the clients we work with. And together, we're actively striving to tackle the inclusion gap. You can learn more at MomentumITSMA.com.